welcome back to another episode of Cine Matters, the film podcast which is coming from and to a cinema near you. As ever, we return as your loyal hosts. My name is Ella Kemp. I'm Dan Serene. And we are back for another instalment. This time it's a little bit different as we will be predicting a bit more about our film as opposed to looking at how the swarms of people have come into the cinema over the past fortnight. But before we delve into our release this fortnight, we must look back at the things that we've seen in the past two weeks. Dan, have you seen anything that you'd recommend? Uh, I watched a film called The Double Life of Veronique, an early 90s French film by Christophe Kieslowski, uh, who's famous for the Three Colours trilogy. And um, I think I would recommend it. It's one of those films where I, I didn't necessarily enjoy it a lot at the time, but it's something that I've thought about a lot since watching it. So I think I think that means I would recommend it. What about you? I think if a film grows on you, the more you think about it, then that's definitely a good sign as opposed to enjoying it a lot in the moment mm. and then it just fading away. Yeah. So I have seen a couple of films this one that I'd recommend. The first one that I must say is the one that I've seen most recently. It's a film by a French director called Mia Hansen Love and the film is called Goodbye First Love. And oh my god it's amazing it's one of those films like you say that gets better the more you think about it so it spans many many years of this young girl's life as she reckons with her first love and then you know subsequent relationships with that it just goes deeper and deeper into her personality it's such a gorgeous love letter to youth and relationships and all of that so Obviously, I loved it. But the other film that I would recommend, which ties in with our release this fortnight, I watched Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid for the first time, which, you know, was great. I'm not the biggest expert on westerns, nor the biggest fan, I must say, but you've got to watch it. It's a classic. So on that basis, that might have given a little clue to what we're discussing this fortnight. We will be discussing a film with... The Sundance Kid himself, Robert Redford. Dan, what is it? Uh, this is The Old Man in the Gun. It's a true story about Forrest Tucker, who claims to have escaped successfully from 18 prisons over his lifetime. It follows Tucker in the last period of his life, uh, as he escapes from San Quentin and then goes on a series of successful heists with his over-the-hill gang and tries to find true love. His plight is mirrored by a uh, police detective who is trying to understand and to apprehend Forrest. So this film comes out at the end of the first week of December, but Dan and I were lucky enough to see it early at London Film Festival. So just kind of going off the response that was there, the people that were kind of coming to see it, was there any kind of pattern in people you noticed? Do you know, as we came out, I think we immediately reflected on just how relaxed and and sort of joyous we felt from watching it. And I think the rest of the crowd had that same feeling. It was quite a time when you're going through a roller coaster of emotions watching different films, mm. watching that many films in a short space of time. But it really did feel relaxing to watch. Yeah. And I think other people, we've had preview screenings at our cinema, and that is the sentiment from people that I've spoken to that's been mirrored. Yeah, and I found that in Toronto as well. I didn't see it there, but people around me when they came out of seeing that film they were glowing and everyone was just so happy and there seemed to be some kind of satisfaction on people's faces that they could wholeheartedly recommend this film to people without having any doubt that they'd love it and have a good time which is such a nice feeling when you recommend something and you know that you can't be wrong which is why we have chosen it for our film this fortnight and that's why we are recommending it to you so dan why are we recommending this film 
What did you think of it? As I said, it, it was a really uplifting, joyous film. But sometimes you can have uplifting and joyous films, for example, like The Untouchables, the French film, and they be forgettable. I think this film is different in that it's something that... Okay, I'm. you know that I don't really like to rewatch films very much. Mm-hmm. It's something I'm really against when I could watch a new film. But I watched this um, over a month ago now and now it's coming out this is the first time this year that i can happily say i'm going to watch this film again really yeah you're gonna watch it in the next month yeah i mean i see why because it seems like the things that make this film likable aren't little gimmicks or surprises it's just really reliable charisma and niceness and it feels like it's just very there's something very solid about the foundations of this film it's like they're not trying out a new trick it's as much in the story as in the acting, as in the actor that they've chosen, you know that everything works. Mm. So of course it works again. Yeah, and as they're really, really not trying a new trick. Uh, going off Robert Redford's career, this uh, people keep talking about it being like a swan song or a culmination of, of his career, and that ties into the fact that he announced that this is going to be his last film as an actor. Allegedly. Which we're, we're not sure about. Taking that as truth, this really does feel like it's got all of the elements of Robert Redford's roles over the years. As you said before, Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid, there's that kind of lovable rebel character. There's the romantic lead that he played in the 80s really successfully. There's the criminal, the, the American hero type in films like The Natural and Brubaker. And then there's like a really solid performance as well, mm. which is something that I don't think we've seen in him consistently. He's not the most consistent actor because I think he gets typecast in these certain roles, but it definitely comes through in films like Butch Cassidy and also in my favourite of his films, The Sting. I have to admit that I am not as familiar with his career, which I know is a huge blind spot on my part. But I think the fact that with the little that I do know about his career and the little that I know about Forrest Tucker, it does still feel like nobody else could play this part and that almost that it's too good to be true. It's almost like he invented Forrest Tucker to play him, to be the perfect character. And when you know that it's all true, you're just like, this is unbelievable. Mm. Unbelievable because of who Forrest Tucker was mm. and, you know, the actually crazy things that he did. And unbelievable that Robert Redford found him. Yeah, it's like in the 90s when Clint Eastwood bought the script for Unforgiven and then waited until he was old enough to play the character. That's insane, But yeah. th- that isn't what happened here. It's just circumstance that has made him perfect to play this role at yeah. this time. As well as Robert Redford, I think the nicest of this film does come in part because of the director, who is David Lowry. So David Lowry directed... He hasn't done that many films so far, but he's done A Ghost Story, which I really, really loved. But I think it's a very different kind of film. I wouldn't say it's... A nice film I say it's a little it's very melancholic and powerful and contemplative and I love it but out of David Lowry's films this one reminds me more of Pete's Dragon which I I don't know if a lot of people love that film personally I, I really didn't love it at okay all. I, interesting uh, uh, as a big fan of the original film and somebody who's very against remakes it, okay it wasn't made for me that's fair enough that's fine I so I, I watched Pete's Dragon a few months ago in preparation for this yeah. film And I haven't seen the original, and I'm not that familiar with it, but what struck me in being in both these films is this 
optimism mm. and it's all very light and breezy but I still feel like it's grounded with this concern of what the humans are feeling and what makes them tick emotionally and I really like that yeah I totally agree and the note I made was that it's a Sunday afternoon film yeah oh it's, my god <laughs> it's that kind of easy adventure that we seem to have lost now mm. in this century for some reason in the midst of, of blockbusters and things but it's a nice return yeah. to that Well, it's interesting because when you say that we've lost that, I think that could be in part due to the fact that everything is so loud. Mm. Everything is very loud and explosive (laughs) and provocative and subversive and always defying genres and expectations and everything, which is great and has been great and probably covers every film that we've talked about so far. But the difference with this film is that you can just rely on it and it just works. I think you summed (laughs) up well when you said that recommending (laughs) this to anybody would be a guarantee that you are going to feel happy by the end of it. I think another great thing about this film is, obviously, Robert Redford is, I think he's perfect in it, but he's in great company as well. He stars opposite Sissy Spacek, who plays the love interest in this film. I did a little bit of research afterwards, and she's loosely based on a person who existed in Forrest Tucker's life, but who isn't the character that she plays. She plays a character called Jewel, and... They're very well matched and it's really nice seeing their relationship develop because you've got that age difference, not between them, but in terms of a difference in the age we're used to Mm. watching in romantic pairings. I think I felt a lot less nervous watching them. I think a lot of young love stories that I watch, I kind of cringe and just feel a lot of dread when I'm wondering whether things are going to happen for them and everything. But with this, I felt very relaxed and just very positive watching them without it feeling trivial without feeling like their relationship didn't matter that comfort makes it even harder when things do start to get a little bit tricky for them because of his career choice yeah absolutely and it means that all of all of the good bits feel even nicer Mm. but any potential bad bit i was like oh my god i don't think i could stomach anything going wrong at any point there's very stressful there's deliberately tense sequences that that aren't necessarily like the high octane violence that we're used to from other films they're quite reserved in Mm. in what happens in them but they feel so tense because you are so behind this character and wanting him to succeed yeah which is something really difficult to pull off i have to hand it to the director absolutely and everything just makes sense there are a few points in the film where jewel asks Forrest why he does this and why he makes the choices he's making he's just very lucid in the way that he answers it seems like no circumstances will sway the things he believes in and the stuff that he wants to do with his life so she'll ask why he does things and he's just like this is how you live it's a good point you make about the script i think which is written by david lowry in that it has these moments and that there's one in the trailer a really sort of philosophical sentiment that um, Forrest Tucker lives by and I think in in the hands of another director in another film it would feel it's one of those things that I would laugh at audibly Mm -hmm. but in this it feels natural it feels yeah you're right he is just living so I think I must point out the things that you would laugh at I'm gonna guess that you would laugh at them because they are sickly sweet yeah cliche no one says them in real life yeah but so there'll be kind of explicit things that you know you must listen to to live a happy life. Mm. But when someone tells you them in dialogue in a film, you think, well, no, don't tell me that. I'm not silly. I'm going to live my life in my own cynical way, however I please to. But there's no cynicism in this film. No, no. at all. I think there could be on the part of the, the other lead in the film, Casey Affleck, 
I think there was an edge that could have turned into cynicism. And it doesn't. It goes the other way. It kind of becomes the admiration of this rebel. Yeah, I think Casey Affleck's character is very interesting because he's quite young. Well, he's a lot younger than Forrest Tucker. He is based on a person who existed. So this whole cat and mouse chase did happen. And I think he's played very well because you can tell that he's trying to... He's just trying to do his job and he's trying to climb the ranks. But he's also got this chip on his shoulder all the time and he kind of feels a bit insecure about where he is in his life and how he's going to achieve things. And then he's got to chase after this guy who's a really cool criminal, frankly, who's just robbing banks so easily and getting away so easily. And the most annoying part of it all, I think, for him is that he's a really nice guy. Forrest Tucker is so nice Mm. and polite. He's the the gentleman robber, yeah. Yeah, so for Casey Affleck's character, the detective, that just drives him mad. But he... I think he plays it very well because it never turns into this pantomimic chase and he doesn't end up seeming like this stereotypical bad guy. You can just feel this kind of resentment, but also at the end of it, he just knows that Forrest Tucker's just going to keep living his life. Mm. And I think all of that comes to a head in in what I'm going to call the heat scene. If you've seen the film Heat, there is a very famous scene where there's the chaser and the chased and they have a a face-to-face meeting and I'm really glad that that is something that they were able to include in this film. I think that was my favourite scene. Was it one in the bathroom? Yeah. Oh my god that scene was so good. Yeah. Yeah I think the acting in that scene is really terrific. Just the way that scene is set up. The fact that it brings to mind amazing films like Heat is great but then it's in a very constricted space Mm. So if the performances don't come through, then it's just going to fall so flat. And the faces of the two actors are so close together. And you can see that it's the kind of situation that if you're in drama school or something, this is the kind of exercise that they'd make you do. They'd make two people face each other and look at each other really, really closely in order to try and make one of them laugh and to try and make one of them break. And you can see that if they were any lesser actors, they would break in a split second, which is why I think that acting keeps you so focused on them for so long, because you think, are they going to break it? Are they going to mess this up? And they obviously don't. Mm. It's completely absorbing, yeah. I think that plays on Robert Redford's strength as somebody who's known for bringing acting into the films that he's directed. One of the, the main... Not it's not an issue but a question I had coming out of the film was this film it plays on so many themes that Redford's familiar with as a director so why didn't he direct the film? I'm not saying that I, I really liked David Lowry's direction as I've said but why not let Robert Redford direct it? I don't think I would have liked to see this directed by Robert Redford just because I don't know how he would have directed it but as a rule when actors direct films in which they also play the lead it rarely ends well except well (laughs) no okay fine there might be exceptions but I've noticed a lot of counts when actors direct and star in their film the person that comes to mind right now is Kenneth Branagh and you know I liked his Cinderella but I don't want to see him in another Agatha Christie adaptation. Yeah, Kenneth Branagh is is a a special case, I think. But then, you know, A Star is Born, great. Yeah, some of Ben Affleck's work is is very good. Robert Redford's directed himself before. 
Sure, but I think if it didn't have David Lowry's direction with Robert Redford's acting, it would feel less balanced. Whereas mm-hmm. I think at the moment this film feels, to me, it feels very complete and it's got a lot of different qualities that when I've seen them in isolation previously, they've worked well, but they haven't worked as well as everything doesn't in this context. I don't think I like this film more than A Ghost Story, which is David Lowry's previous film, because I think that tapped into things that I personally enjoy watching a lot more and it was very moody and almost supernatural and a bit odd but I wouldn't recommend a ghost story as wholeheartedly and as confidently as I would this film this film I would recommend it to my mum as much as my colleague as much as my 17 year old cousin whereas a ghost story I'd recommend that to me. Mm, that's I'd recommend a, a more that. niche audience. Yeah, I'd recommend it to me again and again, and I'd kind of hold <laughs> off most other people. Mm. But this is a big step for David Lowry because it's such a different aesthetic from Ghost Story. Absolutely. The the sort of grainy cinematography is something that... I don't know why. It just makes you feel at ease and kind of like, straight from the off, this is going to be something that I'm going to love and talk about. I don't know why it made me feel like that, honestly. Well, I think it's maybe because it just feels more intimate and it looks like a history of films that you've loved mm. as opposed to being a newer film that you haven't seen yet, that you're not sure what it can do and you're not sure what's hiding under all the smooth edges and everything. Whereas here, I think when you see that grain, you kind of think, okay, I'm being let in on a mm. secret. I'm being allowed to see really what's up here. And that's what I think that's what they're doing with the score as well. It's like a smooth kind of jazzy score that it puts you at ease. It makes you think, I can listen to this without being bombarded. Yeah. And I'm just going to sit back and enjoy what I'm watching. Yeah. And there, there are deliberate other references to Robert Redford's other, not only the most direct reference when they actually have a clip of him from the 1966 prison break film, The Chase. A young, so a gorgeous young Robert Redford. But there's there's deliberate references like the I know I know that the gang is actually called the Over the Hill Gang, but that's a reference to the Hole in the Wall Gang. Yeah, from Butch Cassidy. Yeah, it's brilliant. I love it. So, how much exactly do you love it, Ella? Uh, we have to rate this film linearly, obviously, as we do every week. This time, in the spirit of simplicity, as we've been talking about this episode, I'm just going to ask. How many banks would you rob to see this film? I knew you were saying that. See, every every single time we record this, I always try to work it out a bit. I think, what's he going to go for? And I usually don't have much of an idea until we start talking. And it's the second we start talking, I'm like, <laughs> that's it. That's what he's going to do this week. So... You make me sound predictable. I'm not predictable. No, no, no. It's, um, you're reliable. Yeah. So, in the spirit of simplicity... Out of five banks. Because there are only five banks that can be robbed in this present day. I would rob four banks to see this film again. What is stopping you from robbing that last bank? I'm very short, so I don't think I would be able to run fast enough before people would catch me by the time I got to the fifth bank. Mm. I think the four banks, you know, being being quite small means you're quite nifty and you can kind of shuffle about quite a bit. But You're also not that intimidating, so I don't know if you threaten Well, according to, to you. <laughs> so, look, I'm not sure. But, yeah, I think by the time I got to the fifth one, you know, you've got to know when to hang your hat up. <laughs> okay. As Robert Redford does. 
How many banks would you rob? Personally, I would I would go for the fifth one. Oh my In god! An unprecedented move. I would say five out of five banks. But Dan, you're so not intimidating. No, not at all. But I'd give it a go just to see this film. Well, this this is pretty big stuff. That Dan would rob all five banks. Dan hasn't robbed five anythings this year. No. He hasn't fought with five anythings. He hasn't sang five anythings. Punched five anythings. He hasn't punched five anythings. And here he is, robbing five banks. That's how much you should see this film. There we go. So, The Old Man and the Gun, it is released on the 7th of December. It will be in cinemas for a while. It might be the last chance you can see Robert Redford on the big screen. Who knows? It's not the only thing coming out on the 7th, however. Uh, also, Sorry to Bother You, the Boots Riley debut, which is it's quite a weird film, but it's definitely worth watching and, and then talking about a lot. Uh, also White Boy Rick which you've seen I have it's a true story it stars Matthew McConaughey it's worth a watch and then a day later is is something quite exciting as you might have heard from the team that did Lord of the Rings it's the new adventure film Mortal Engines people keep saying it's the new Peter Jackson film and I have to say that it's not he's not directing it he co-wrote the scripts but that's all see it and then don't reference Peter Jackson Uh, And then later in the month is the new DC film Aquaman, which surprisingly looks okay, I think. It's been getting pretty good reviews. And then the very, very exciting Spider-Man animated film. I I thought you were going to say the other very exciting (laughs) event of the year. No, no, no. We'll leave that for another day. The most exciting event of the year is Mary Poppins Returns, (laughs) and she is returning on the 20th of December. That's closer to Christmas. We're still basically in November at the moment, so... Yep, Dan, basically November in the first week of December. So while Dan works out all of his timings and the year that we're still in, we will leave you for now and we will see you for... I think it'll be our last episode of the year in two weeks' time. So until then, enjoy Robert Redford on the big screen. If you have any thoughts about his performance, about the film, or any other films you just want to have a chat about, you can email us. We are mattersofcine at gmail.com. You can find us on Twitter. We are at cinematterspod. Dan can't be found in any of those places, so you can contact me. Thank you very much for listening, and we will see you next time. (laughs) 